Dave, you look like you'd be right into this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, look, I don't doubt it's good, but um, you totally it's not. It's me. not Kylie, so man. It's not Kylie. Track. Well, you know, oh, yeah, I don't no, want to yeah. get off track, but and you know, what the one of the biggest albums of the year two thousand was. Don't the Beatles? The Beatles oh. <laughs> Come on. The album, hey, the album oh, one. The he did album it to one us. came out. He did it to us. Music! Music! Madness! Hello, good evening, and welcome to Music, Movies, and Madness, the podcast uh, that um, basically brings four. Um, how would you describe us, guys? Mid- Dixie, handsome and good looking. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, thank you for a hairstyle. Studly, <laughs> yeah, that, irresistible. That off the tongue really quickly, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, Dave. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Balding, middle age, and, you know, road worn. Road worn. Oh, like a fine wine. Or, or, yeah. a, or a cheese. Yeah. Um, oh, you're doing very well, my friend. You can be the fucking cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for the wine, thanks. Good evening. We're the four cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fromage force. Um, the fromage force. <laughs> so uh, tonight's episode, we're talking about the year 2000. Yay. Yay. Millennium. Yeah. The millennium. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys remember from Y2K? <laughs> Never have happened, right? Uh, there was the Y2K obsession beforehand, mm. and people were worried that if it, all the internet and computers were going to f- fall over. That's right, and all the banks were going to start spreading cash out the, the ATMs and all of that and, stuff. Yeah. And nothing happened. I was living in Spain, and I remember actually I was just moving over to the UK at the time, and I think I had a phone call from Mr. Glenn Thurston in Spain. And I think that's the first time I'd spoke to you for in about two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember in Spain, Prince's song 1999 was massive. Mm. So we were doing lots of drugs and drinking and listening to 1999 by Prince. Mm. I was driving a courier van, my big Ford Transit. So, Yeah. Yeah. Nothing exciting like you were doing. Martin, what were you, what were you oh. doing? Nine to nine. Um, do you know what? I haven't got the foggiest. <laughs> um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was, I was back at mum and dad's at that point. Um, but, um, yeah, I do remember sort of staying up to watch, like, order celebration stuff on the telly and thinking, God, this is a bit of a letdown. Um, mm. <laughs> excuse me. By the way, listeners, if I um if I suddenly kind of go quiet or uh, or drop dead, um, I'm cover- recovering this week from the Rona. The Rona got me finally. Um, yeah. So Man I'm a, down. a little bit there, but you know, show must go on. All right, yeah, okay. going so well. Well done, buddy. Thank you. So I think um, tonight we'll start off. Um, we'll start off with movies tonight. Um, Ian, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, why not? Let's um, let's have a look here. I'm gonna 
the movie I chose was uh, the Mission Impossible Two. Did any of you choose that? I didn't ask. Is, is this John Woo? The John Woo movie. That is the John Woo one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Did you? John, John did who? you choose that? John Woo. No, no, I didn't choose that. No, mm-hmm. I was. Oh, that's just, good. Is that, I remember watching it at David's place. I was yeah. kind of funny, Glenn. You didn't get it. Oh, get it now, John Woo. Oh. John Woo? John Woo? John Woo. Oh, oh, David, that was a good point. Okay. Um, yeah, good work. Good dad joke. Good dad joke. And edit that out. Yeah. Do you guys um, make a note? Do you guys like Mission Impossibles? Uh, I didn't like that film. No, I mean, there's a series. As, as yeah, a, don't, yeah, I don't mind them, yeah, but I didn't fun. like that one. What's the difference yeah. between Mission Impossible and James Bond? I get them confused all the time. They're different things. One's but, American uh, and one's English. That's the biggie. Yeah, about uh, two foot six. Yeah. As well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other biggie. Yeah, or not. Um, yeah, Jack, James Bond generally doesn't do his own stunts. Um, yeah. Yeah, that said, you know, you could say what you will about Tom Cruise, like, Fair game to him, right? If he wants to hang off the outside of the Burj Khalifa or yeah. cling to a cling to a, a plane from the outside by his fingertips, then good on him, all in the name of art. Yeah, he's all he's he's good like that. Hmm. He's a real deal. He he's, is indeed. He just turned sixty last weekend. Hmm. Hard to think. He Happy. is sixty years old. Happy birthday, yeah. Tom. Yeah, man. Jesus. Um the movie um I quite like the Mission Impossibles. That's why I chose it. So I quite mm-hmm. like those kind of action, you know, packed things. Um, basically, he's an agent, Ethan Hunt, if you've never seen it. Um, What's that rhyming slang for? Yeah. <laughs> Is it something beginning with? No. Um, <laughs> he goes, he gets sent to Sydney and he has to destroy a genetically modified disease called chimera that's right corona corona Corona. Corona. so he has to destroy corona and uh (laughs) that's why it's mission impossible (laughs) yeah and that's pretty much that's pretty much it in a nutshell it's a good movie if you want a fun action movie that's great uh what i did want to discuss was uh more importantly is it getting back to the baking is it um (laughs) i know (laughs) Is it scones or scones? Scones. Uh, depends on what mood you're in, I guess. But scones. 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 Martin, now yeah. this would be interesting. You scone or a scone? I'm a scone. Uh, uh, I'm a scone. But I think it depends where you are, right? And it's, it, it is like I've if never you say, heard of scone. Where, where did scone I, come from? I've always said scone. And in America, they're called biscuit. Oh, just forget about the Americans. Okay. It's, what do they yeah. know? But and that's <laughs> really, so nothing. But I've I've been uh, I've been experimenting with scones, uh, and I've been I found out actually they go really well with uh, coconut cream instead of you know when you mix in the dough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coconut coconut milk. Typically, real... everything goes well with coconut milk, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's underrated, eh? Coconut milk. So damn good. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> bring, bring it back, bring it back to Mission MI2. Come on, oh, I, bring it back. Bring a, it back. Oh, no, that's that was my review. Can it's I a do good, it's a, a good movie? <laughs> can I do a supplementary review? Oh, mine, uh, go on then. 
yeah, yeah. I, I like you know I like a good action flick absolutely but yeah. and John Woo's directing style on that particular one could he just ease up on the slow mos yeah there's a lot of that oh my god it was the worst slow mo movie ever oh, I do he, like he did lots. Um, in the early 2000s of that stuff so yeah oh, he, he uh he went through a real phase for about five to ten years probably the first yeah. five years right. of the, of the it was it was yeah. slow mos and doves yeah yeah man well, that wavy as well. wavy here slow motion oh can't um, stand it, it, it occasionally has, a little yeah. bit but he just ott today it has got a good intro. I do love the intro where they, they jump out the plane and then Ethan Hunt's hanging off. Do you remember he's hanging off a big, massive rock? No, he's rock right. climbing. Yeah. And I and I just thought, oh, that's, too. there's loads of motorbike stuff in it. Yeah. yeah. Who's that really beautiful actress? And I can never pronounce her name. She's gorgeous. Um, Tandine Newton. Is it? Tandine, is that it? Tandine, oh, was she it? that too? Was she? Yeah. She She's, was the girl. Yeah. She that's probably the real reason I like the movie. I She's think, hot. Wasn't it the that Scottish actor, is it uh Do Grey Scott? Scott? He was the villain, yeah, in it, right? That's right. From memory, he turned down Wolverine for that. Like in the original no. X-Men movie. Oh, no. Did he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. He probably did it for Tan Tandoi. Tandori. Oh, <laughs> Tandori. I'd I'd have done it for her. <laughs> I'd have turned down Wolverine for her. Anyway, thanks, guys. It's a good movie. If you want a bit of action, go and chuck on a bit of MI2, rock and roll, bake some scones, scones. Sweet. <laughs> I've got a problem. They're not savory, raisin. Sa- savory, or, savory or sweet? Well, I like any, but my problem is I'm having issues with trying to make it rise. It's not rising. <laughs> Baking powder. Do you guys? It's not good when you got things issues with things that no. don't rise. Mm. So, any tips from the listeners? How to make it rise? Not there yet. Yeah, right. Generally, yeah, baking powder does a good job. <laughs> Sprinkle some baking powder on it. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, mix it in. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. That's a great start to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Use your hands, not a spoon. No. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Thanks. Um, David, what have you got for us this week? What have I got for you? I've got a classic. Um, Another Tom. Tom Hanks this time. Castaway. Who's seen this? Wilson. No, I haven't seen that. Are you kidding me? I have not seen it. That's it when he went a, skinny on, eh? He did. Wow. He did. He uh, uh, they they stopped filming for a year for so he could lose that that sort of weight. It was um, outrageous. Um, yeah, Castaway is uh, uh, an American survival, I guess, survival drama. Um, it's another Robert Zemeckis um, mm. deal, uh, star- starring Tom Hanks, um, the wonderful Helen Hunt. And Nick Cersei. Um, I won't spoil too much, but basically, you kind of guess what it's about. <laughs> Even just sort of going off what the, the title of it is, and you see the, the cover of the, the video. It's it's um it's about a FedEx agent who 
uh, is um, traveling in a light aircraft one day over the Pacific um, Islands, somewhere between sort of Fiji and um, Hawaii, I think, in that sort of space. And the plane goes down, crashes. Um, he manages, obviously, to survive and makes his way to a deserted island and sort of starts from there. Um, uh, but what I love about this film is that the first, as soon as that crash happens, you pretty much got like at least a good half an hour, maybe 45 minutes of no dialogue whatsoever. Right? It's just um, mm. Hanks and the uh, and, and the elements around him on the island. Um, things start to change as he, you know, I don't want to spoil it for those that haven't seen it, but you know, um, he does um, develop uh, a friend on the island, and, uh, and then obviously, you know, things things go from there. And uh, I'll let you watch it if you haven't seen it in terms of what happened coming out of it. But you know, um, surprisingly, uh, you know, there's a few few fun facts on this. I mean, Hanks actually did get seriously injured when when he filmed this. So he he cut his leg somehow, and he cut it so badly that when they took him to hospital um it was already pretty badly infected and um his leg was eaten away at itself by all accounts he was in pretty bad shape um Dang. yeah he almost died as a result of his injury um didn't he get hasn't stuff. he got doesn't he put his type 2 diabetes down to losing all the weight and putting the weight on and doing I, all that could be i yeah could yeah. well be he was he was sure, yeah he was he was away for a year from production to try and lose that weight. Um, yeah, big outrageous. That's that's the case, right? In terms of mm. paying, paying the price. Um, Damn. Uh, the, um, the there's a character in the in the film called Wilson. I don't want to spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it, but Wilson um, is is the actual name I think of Hanks's wife. Um, yeah, Rita Rita Wilson. Yeah, so, and and um, and the uh, I think it's the director. The yeah, I think it's the director. Actually, yeah, sorry, the screenwriter. He actually stranded himself on an island when doing the research for this. Um, he uh, he spent days on an island off um, uh, near near Mexico's um, Sea of Cortez. When he was there, you know, he was sparing fish and stingrays. He ate them raw. He learned to open coconuts. There you go, coconuts again. Um, and that's when he realized that it wasn't the physical challenge of being stranded on the island, but it was the psychological, you know, mental and spiritual challenge. And that's kind of where the movie goes. Mm. Um, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, great flick. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a long watch because, you know, it feels like a long watch because there's like half an hour, 40 minutes or whatever with no dialogue and just watching Hanks, you know, wash up on this island and find out, f figure out how he's going to survive. And he spends a long time there. So, uh, yeah, good flick. Definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, for those of you who have seen it, Martin. Yes. Um, Ian, what did you think? Yeah, it's um, it is a cool one. Um, in, in a lot of ways, it does kind of mirror. Um, it kind of set up a bit of a formula for like that whole Tom Hanks with Rocket Robert Zemeckis kind of thing, and much in the same way like Forrest Gump did before it. Mm. Um, and I think tone wise, yeah, it 
it, it's kind of very close, tonally very close to, to Forrest Gump in that respect as well. Um, I think the thing that I really enjoyed about it actually was where it kind of ended up. Um, I, I, I don't want to kind yeah. of spoil that ending, but um, it's not it's not what you think, is it? You, no, you, you it's not. Yeah, it, it's um, it's certainly it's not a twist or anything, but it's kind of it doesn't it doesn't end as the the way that you'd probably expect or a lot of the audiences would want it to, but it's still quite fulfilling. Mm. Um, and again, it comes back to that spiritual slash sort of emotional um, need rather than sort of um, what you know, what's sort of on the surface or superficial. It's, it's deeper than that. So, what did you think, Ian? Yeah, well, every time I wa- I've watched that a few times, and every time, even when I was a young chap, probably back around that, that time it came out, yeah, it, it always puts things into perspective for me, and it's probably to do with the end of the movie, like you say. And I always have, yeah, and of all the things you take out of a movie, right, that always makes me just put things, yeah, in perspective and and my values and and priorities. Yep, it's good. It's, yeah, it has, yeah there you go. Got to so, say, got a, a big, I mean, Helen Hunt is, um, the, act, the acting is very good in this, but she, in, mm. in particular, she's, she's a supporting actor in this. Um, but she she does an amazing job at the end, and I think it really does sell mm. the story and um, leaves you with quite a strong sense of what you know what he went through. Um, Are you going to gonna cry? I I am, but you know I've got a massive <laughs> dad, dad crush on Helen Hunt. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> you sound like you were choking oh, up there a bit, man. I was oh, like, goodness. oh, oh my. I'm going to listen. I haven't seen her in anything for a very long time. Is she still doing stuff? Maybe uh, she's no. maybe she she's, just made the money and like screw it, I'm out of here. Yeah, because she she's was in old. everything for a while. Yeah, yeah. Right? She, she was, was definitely was flavor of the month spot. at that. It that was her sweet here. spot this this era. Absolutely. She's probably old and fat now. That's how they. That... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you are harsh. All right, well, that's, that's what right happens along. to all of us, right? Moving I mean, come right on. Along. Jeez. Including myself. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Martin. Okay. Uh, yeah, Glenn, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, I chose um, a film called Almost Famous, and that's by um, Cameron Crowe, who did, um, uh, what's it going, Jerry Maguire. That was a sort of one of his first sort of big films um but i think he also did fast times at richmond high back in the day as well which is a bit of a um bit of a interesting teenage story but almost famous is semi-autobiographical and he ended up cameron being a a teenage reporter because of his writing skill um on for uh, Rolling Stone. Um, so it it r- roughly sort of pulls together a whole bunch of his memories into the story of a fictional band and him as a young writer following them to get the story. And mm. yeah, coming across a whole bunch of um, people, including this, the these the groupies, or they don't call themselves the groupies if I remember right. They've, they've got their own name. Um, 
and all the hangers on and all the bizarre stories hanging in the bus, going in the plane, maybe going down and all the stories that you hear from the 70s of those sort of bands like the Allman Brothers and Led Zeppelin on the road as they crisscrossed America. Um, yeah, it's it's a I, I think it's a quite a warm-hearted sort of a film. It's quite funny and touching. Um, and the soundtrack obviously is pretty epic. Um, Led Zeppelin at the time didn't really give many of their songs of movies, but um, Cameron took because of his connection to the band back in the day, he took a cut of the film to them and they said, yep, can have a couple of our songs. Um, yeah. so he ended up in there, which was, I remember watching it at the time going, man, there's a Zeppelin song in here. Because mm. uh, <laughs> you didn't hear Zeppelin songs on um, movies. No. Um, I think that's um, one of his strengths though, really, Cameron Crowe. Like, you know, his movies for me, they're, they're pretty hit and miss. Like one or two of them, I, I really didn't enjoy. I didn't like Vanilla Sky at all. Um, oh god, it's a terrible movie. But soundtracks, that dude has got it. Like he's like Tarantino on that front. You know, mm. he just nails it every time. Well, um, he he can just pick up the phone and talk to everybody. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he still Absolutely. By the time um, he got to, I don't know, into his twenties, he'd kind of finished doing his first part of his career, which was the writer, um, mm. and then turned his attention to making movies. Um, so quite epic, really. Um, and That's, he, young. Yeah, That's young. Yeah, yeah, really to do young. That. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the, a fictional band called Stillwater was created for it, and it's that typical guitar epic band. And even Peter Frampton ended up being a technical consultant on the film. Hey, Peter Frampton. Yeah, no, hilarious, eh? Um, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam played all the lead guitar so on the solos. Um, and Cameron is, was he was married at that time, to Nancy Wilson from Heart. Yeah. So they wrote some up a bunch of songs for it as well. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just, I hate I this guy. What, I remember <laughs> watching it. I remember watching it and just going... Yeah, this is, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, um, a, a lot of fun um, watching it um, and knowing that it, it came from a lot of those stories of Cameron on the road as a, a teenager who got away from his rather controlling mum to go and do that was pretty fun. Um, and again, through that soundtrack, I got to, um, hear stuff that I hadn't heard before, like early Elton John, because um, it's got that famous scene with um, the whole busload of people singing um, Tiny Dancer, and you're like, what's Tiny Dancer from? I did not know that song. Yeah. And then you go and have a look, and you go, oh, man, all this early Elton stuff is epic, um, which is kind of one of the reasons, you know, through Almost Famous um, and another one of his films called Elizabethtown, um, went and then went oh wow i bought a couple of um early elton albums of which i um reviewed for our 1970 show which was um tumbleweed connection yeah so a, a, a lovely warm film obviously we all like a good music story um mm. so it's it's pretty fun it starred who did it star back in the day billy crudup Francis McDormand, uh, Kate Hudson, and 
the kid was Patrick Fugit, whoever that is. Um, but obviously, um, Francis McDormand and Kate Hudson are the, you know, they're quite yeah, big stars, big eh? Totally. Yeah. Nice. So highly recommend um, um, an easy watch and and good fun soundtrack. There was loads of good movies in 2008. There were so many. It was a good year. Yeah, it was absolutely. a good year. Um, yeah. I, I was weighing up um, almost, uh, no, not almost famous, um, Oh, um, High Fidelity, the movie, um, which was very good as well. But <laughs> I think I we know. all nearly did that. Yeah. I know, because it's so damn good. Um, yeah. um, but actually, I picked this one because I was feeling a bit more um, nostalgic, I suppose. Well, you know, um, we had a lot of um, a lot of feedback today on our Facebook page regarding high fidelity um, mm. due to a post that uh, Dave put up yesterday. Oh, um, right, yeah. And we were wondering, like, do you guys have like a favourite quote or a favourite scene from that movie? Because there's it's so many. Sweater. It's a Cosby sweater. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I, I just found that funny. Yeah, definitely a favourite scene. I love the. Um, I, I love Jack Black's character in that, and that's yeah. my favourite movie of all time, I think. But it's a, uh, it's a wonderful book, and the movie did a good job of it. Yeah, well, you gave me the book. Oh, yes, I did. It was really fun. I thought you'd yeah, enjoy it. I certainly did. But I, my favourite part of the movie is definitely that Jack Black character when he's in the record store and he makes a cassette tape and he bangs it on. Ow! Walking on sunshine. Oh, my. That's the sort of shit I do, man. I like that. Brilliant. He can sing, can he? Yeah. Well, that was actually, I put a quote up from that because the name of the band that he was in, and it goes on throughout the whole movie, is Sonic Death Monkey. <laughs> and then they, they finally get the gig at the end of the movie, yeah. and he comes out and he goes, uh, uh, Me and the band just want to say that we're no longer called Sonic Death Monkey, but we were very close today to being called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just yeah. love. That's brilliant. Uh, uh, yeah. shout, out to, shout out to Jason Curry, who's been, um, who's been posting prolifically, whatever the word is anyway, on yeah, our Facebook page, and um, he's put a number of top five of all times on that post <laughs> some of them i have to say jason are um even a bit out there from me <laughs> but um there is so here's the thing guys from the movie is it better to burn out or to fade away fade away i say burn out really go out with what? a bang absolutely go oh, go ballistic how come you're, Just, still, how come you're still alive Get hard. Get hard. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a, a, that's a tough another, question. Another, another episode one day, perhaps, but yeah. Maybe, maybe. Tough question. I'd um, say, I'd say burn you, out. Burn out. Okay, burn out. Yeah, rock it, rock it out, man. That's how you become a legend, man, right? It's, it's like. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to go on stage and play a gig and maybe, I don't know, something like. Spontaneously something combust cool. or something. Yeah, <laughs> internally, <laughs> internally combust. Yeah, imagine that <laughs> all over the place. That would be amazing. With, with your baking powder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martin, Martin, so Martin, what, yeah. Martin, did you have a movie? Yeah, Spontaneous I did, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So in terms of movies, um, I've gone with a, with a foreign movie. I've gone a bit arty this week. What uh, does that mean? <laughs> well, yeah, quite. Um, a foreign language film, I should say, right. Um, so I've gone with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, oh, beautiful. Which, yeah, and I was, I was thinking about earlier, and if there's one word that can kind of sum up that film, it is beautiful. It's, it's just uh, visually just stunning to look at. Um, it's a great story. Um, it takes its time um, as it goes on, and it, it just looks like a billion dollars up on screen. It, it's uh, mm. it's fantastic. It does <laughs> potentially does. potentially it's what <laughs> Avatar should have been. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, Zing it's Zing yes, oh, yes. I had such a crush on Zing 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 in the back of the day. Yeah, Zhang and Michelle Yeah, and Sharon Fat. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, he can go and take them. Yeah, I agree. I agree with David. The other two, brilliant. Oh, great. It was directed by Ang Lee. Um, yes. And um, off the back of that, um, after seeing Crouch and Tiger, I, I became like a super fan straight away and went back and managed to actually find um, an art house cinema in the UK that was doing a triple bill of some of his older work um, and saw things like The Ice Storm and... Um, um, what was the Western one that he did with Toby Maguire? Um, damn, I forgot the name of it. And then he obviously went on afterwards and did things like Brokeback Mountain, you know. Um, so he's had a really kind of prolific career, but very kind of um, diverse career as well as a filmmaker. He doesn't kind of stick mm, to one style. That's incredibly diverse. Yeah. Um, Walking on trees. Absolutely, yeah. yeah so Mountain. Crouching Tider when it was released, uh, it was on a $17 million budget um, and made um, $213.5 million worldwide, um, of which it grossed $128 million in the, in the US, and it became the highest-grossing foreign-language film ever produced uh, for overseas in American history. Uh, it was also the first film, foreign-language film to break $100 million in the US as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for just about every award going. It was nominated for 10 Academy Awards and won, um, what did it win? Best Foreign Language Film, Best Art Direction, Best Score and Best Cinematography. Um, as I say, it, it's, you know, there's certain films that you see and, and people say, you know, oh, you should really see it at the movies. You know, you should see it on a mm. big screen if you can. This film is is like that, you know. I don't think it's shot in like seventy mil or anything, but man, it, it feels like it when you watch it. It's just sort of these vast landscapes. There's a whole section of the film which is shot in like the Gobi Desert, I think, and um, it's just stunning. It's like a, you know, it's like those old David Lean westerns and stuff. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to see that again at the cinema. Mm. Yeah, and. Um, I guess the other thing of a kind of note with it really is that the the fight scenes and the choreography within it, um, the all of the fight scenes, all of the principal actors actually did all their own stunts in the film. Um, a lot of it was done with wire work, but there was no CG or computer graphics in the film at all. Um, so that those fight sequences in amongst the trees, they actually did that. Um, he's actually gone on, on statement and said like the only computer graphics actually in the movie is the removal of the wires but all of the actual stunt work all of the moves, all of the choreography it was all done 
Let's um, be honest, though. I mean, that stuff's pretty easy, man. <laughs> totally, man. You, you and I were doing that when we were kids, Ian. Shit, yeah. Yoga, uh, all, whatever. I'll do any of that. Easy, boom. Yeah, maybe not may, maybe not up a tree, but, you know. Nah, down at the Papua Memorial Hall, mate. You had the wires and everything. David had the wires and everything, Martin. He used to hang. He used to fly around and I hang himself. I believe that. Still has. He, he still <laughs> has. Yeah, and he, and he, busted, he busted up his um, clothesline trying to do it, eh? Yeah. Most of the Yeah. Oh, that was No, no, that was Greatest American Hero. Let's get that straight. <laughs> I know. Um, anyway. Getting back to Ang Lee has said that like uh, the biggest challenge on the movie actually was actually getting all of the principal actors to actually speak the same language at the same time. Because uh, um, oh, wow. they're all from different regions. So, oh, you know, uh, Cheon Fat speaks with a Cantonese accent. Michelle Yeoh has a Malaysian accent. Uh, Chang Chen is Thai- Taiwanese. And only Zhang Zi um, had a Beijing accent, which was yeah. where it was based. Um, so they were finding out on set that they were doing like 28 takes because of the accents, not because they were getting the stunts wrong or, you know, weren't like, you know, hitting the marks or anything. So he said he had pretty much had a nervous breakdown just because of that. Um, (laughs) didn't sleep for like eight and a half months while he was making it. Um, but yeah, um, as I say, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, even if you don't particularly like martial arts movies, um, see it anyway because it, it it transcends genres really it's a it's a love story um, it's a sweeping epic of, of, of you know the biggest kind of magnitude really um and um and it's it's a lot of fun as well it's a, it's a good fun adventure kind of movie as well to watch so that was my choice yeah crouch and tiger and dragon guys nice brilliant choice cool so um Let's get into our albums then, guys. Um, Ian, do you want to go first for albums as well? Yeah, I would. Thank you. And uh, this week, I have decided to go. My choice was a uh, a nice dirty blues album. Yeah, a nice, nice dirty blues. None of that pop stuff. Yeah. Some nice dirty blues. So um, I went with. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like blues. I I love blues as a genre, and I and I I love a lot of blues players. And the guy I chose was a guy called R. L. Burns uh, Burnside, and um, I don't know. Is he probably one of the lesser known blues guys? He's, he's probably quite well known, but I don't think he's massive. Um, and yeah, the album I chose was called "Wish I Was in Heaven Sitting Down." That's the name of the album. And I'm not sure if this is maybe his last album he recorded. It was definitely one of the last. And uh, I did some investigating on on the album because I really like Burnside's music and uh, he's he's different. He's got a flavor of his own, you know, style of playing is quite different. Um it's not your sort of standard 12 barry stuff. And he does a lot of slide. He's got a real, you know, amazing American blues voice. He's just brilliant. And, yeah, so I, I delved into the album. The album's really good. It's it's quite – I'd say it's quite a dark blues album. So at the point he's recording this, he's 
he's not been very well. I think he's had a one heart attack by this sort of stage. And oh, um, gosh, yeah, he's he's on a decline. So it's quite it probably hints the name right. Wish I was in heaven sitting down, but um, it, there's some there's some really good songs on there as well. Um, and Dave's going to play a couple of those snippets there. Nothing, man. I never had a chance. I'm a nothing man. It never was my fault. I'm a nothing man. You can't arrest me. I pay rent here. I'm a nothing man Never wanted to be a bad person I wish my mama would have loved me I'm a nothing man I never wanted to be a criminal I'm a nothing man you can't arrest me, it never was my fault Wish my mama would have loved me I pay rent here, I'm a nothing man Interesting guy, R.L. Burnside is. So, uh, you know, go and buy the album if you like blues. Go and buy it if you like. Um, if you like stuff like, probably like Johnny, more like Johnny Lee Hooker style blues. You know that kind of a little bit, not that clean sort of BB Kingy stuff, but it's uh, yeah, a bit more grungy. And I think his cousin-in-law was Muddy Waters, but the guy really, yeah. yeah. Just- I know, but yeah. <laughs> good heritage there. Yeah, yeah he d- he didn't just... he didn't find fame until I think the last twenty years of his life. So he died at seventy eight. So he wasn't really recognised till he was nearly sixty. Uh, uh, yeah, fifty eight. I mean, nearly sixty. So he was wow. a part. He was a part time musician for most of his life. Hopeless uh, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, he he got picked up. He was doing some uh, gigs, and somebody heard him. That led on to uh, him meeting a bunch of people. He stayed with the same record label, which was um, who was he with? Fat Possum, all the way through his whole career. But uh, yeah, basically, the last twenty years, somebody picked up his stuff. You might have heard some of his stuff remixed. Have you ever heard of any of his stuff being remixed? No. No. So, so one of 
uh, one of my favorite albums of his, um, which is about uh, three years before this one. And actually, and it's the same as this album, he doesn't play any guitar on it. <laughs> and he's a guitarist. So, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they what, tricked me. He, he, he was tricked. just taking a break, or what was the reason? I, I think his, his illness, he couldn't yeah. play so much. So uh, he had, I didn't even realize, I listened to the whole album thinking, oh, that's cool, that's RLB inside. But no, they were awesome. all session all session players. Yep. And wow. um, yeah, so there's a bit of interesting stuff, but um, yeah, nice album, man. If you like a bit of, I'd say probably Thursday afternoon kind of blues. Definitely not a Sunday afternoon. Mm. Building up for the weekend. You know, put it on, crank it. Yep. Yeah. The name of the song, Bad Luck City. Lord, a lot of people don't know about that Cause they have never been there But I've been there and I know A lot of time you love them women And they don't love you But I have one And I love the one I have That's why I tell her every morning when I wake up I sat down and tell her these words. That's my choice for this week. Yeah. You guys heard of R.L. Burnside? No, never no. heard. No. And it is quite different, isn't it? It's not, you're right, it's not the poppy sort of 12-bar stuff that you can... No, he, is it a growler? Has he got like a gravelly voice or is he uh, clean? Singer? Oh, yeah, no, he's he's a real, um, you know, pronounces his words like from the ghetto, um, which is, he was a ghetto kind of dude. I think his whole family got shot. I think his dad and his three brothers got shot in in one year or something crazy. He had an amazing, messed up life. Um, but yeah, he he also had a huge following in the punk scene and the garage rock scene. All the wow. punk guy, all the punk guys love him. Um, yeah, check him out. R.L. Burnside. That's mm. a good album. There's a yep. few obscure songs on it, but flick through it. You know, stick with it. You'll enjoy cool. it. Mm. Thanks, guys. That's my contribution. Thanks, Thanks Ian. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. All right, David. What you got for us? I've gone. I've gone totally mainstream this week. Oh, Kylie Minogue. Close. Got- <laughs> oh boy, did I? I went. I went. I went through. I mean, I could have just picked an album. And thanks for recommending some guys. I did have. I did check them out. But actually, it's something you said around live albums, and I've chosen a live album this year, and it's um, it relates to. I think it could have been the first concert 
yes, I was a late developer. My first concert was around 2000. So oh. I was 25 or whatever. Yeah, it was possibly one of my first concerts I went to. And this, um, this came out later that year. Mm-hmm. Um, together in concert. Bick Runger, Tim Finn, Dave Dobbin. Oh, great Ooh. album. Great album. So they, they toured in 2000, well, it might have been late 90s, 99, I can't remember now, but they toured and I saw them at the Opera House, I think, here yeah. in Wellington. And um, and they were amazing. I mean, look, the vocals on that, and, and they're in their prime, Bick Runger's um, only. Oh. Yeah, well, so 2000, <laughs> she... She went to school with a friend of mine down in Christchurch. Um, they were in seventh, they were in the same year group. Um, and then she she busts out Sway, right? Her first big hit on um, Drive, is it? I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Sway was a, a massive hit when I was at uni, and I do remember being in the in the uh, student union cafe and they think i think they had that on bloody repeat most days um that song got a bit sick of it after a while but it is a fabulous song and this this album has um yeah it's a bit of a best of and it's it's got a few songs that we uh we thought should be retired a few weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> loyal's on there weather with you um yeah to name a few you could potentially but, sway to that yeah you could yeah beautiful collision come out by then the um no no mm. that's the next album that, that was, came out in that was stellar right then amazing well, albums well, stella came out not long after that too your sister right right remember so um doesn't she make jewelry that's right she does she had that big hit um violent is it oh yes 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 you're making me violent something like that yeah yeah yeah. i wonder why they always had the um the the, um you know the little star thing next to the name Stella, and then it had a little dash was it a little joke or no, no, yeah, a little asterisk. Yeah, yeah, strange. Uh, but this album oh. is is a goodie. It's got you know uh, six months on leaky boat, so it's got splitting and stuff. It's got waggling from Dave Dobbin. Persuasion's a great song from Tim Finn and Richard Thompson. Um, are the tracks I'm going to play um, something good by Bick Runger because I love that song. It's a, it's a nice catchy pop tune.
Wailing by Dave Dobbin. Not so much. The song's okay, but I love the intro. And I don't know the intro. I think I must have. I must have had one of those nature CDs or compilation albums in mm-hmm. my early twenties or late teens. I don't remember, but I remember that that song playing in the car, dry on long drives up the line, and having uh, Wailing, Six Months in a Leaky Boat, Icy Red, just basically on repeat in the car stereo. And it just conjures up good memories of um, driving on the open road. You know, not a care in the world. Together in concert live. You know what? The first time I heard that album, mm. I was it, I was in the heart of Yorkshire, oh. walking down a walking down a cobbled street oh. with houses with thatched roofs. No, no lie, a little tiny cobbled street as you would imagine, and it was mid afternoon, and someone had a window open, and was banging out six months on a leaky boat right live, oh. and I thought. Yeah, and I hadn't heard any New Zealand stuff for ages, and I thought, "Oh shit!" So I stopped, and I leaned against the wall of the house, and it and it was real loud. And I thought, "Oh, it's fantastic!" And I actually knocked on the door. It had one of those old ring knockers, gank, 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 gank. and uh, lady answered. I said, "Oh, just walking past." And of course, I'm a Kiwi in York in Yorkshire, so I sound like a real Kiwi. And uh, she said, "Oh yeah, husband's upstairs painting. He's got it on." And I said, oh, do you mind if, if I ask what, what it is? And he came down and he said, oh, yeah, this is the CD, man. 
It's a great album. <laughs> of all great places, album. eh? Of all and, the places. And, and it would have just only come out, so that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it might have been it might have been a few years after that. Oh, but okay. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it is a good album. Real good compilation of singers, right? Mm. Yeah, mm. and I think so it great. might have been the I don't know if it was the catalyst for what Neil did the following year with his um Seven Worlds Collide project in 2001. Oh, yeah. Equally as good, right? He had um, the Wilco guys, the, the mm. Eddie Vedder, and a whole heap of them. So, you know, it might have been the precursor to that. Yeah. Mm. Good album. Awesome. Yeah, cool stuff. Um, Glenn, what do you got for us? Um, I've got an album called The Software Slump, um, and it's by a band called Granddaddy. Um, now, <laughs> love it, love it. I know it's it's a phenomenal <laughs> record. You listen to some weird shit, man. <laughs> I don't. This album is wonderful. Um, and you could talk, Ian. <laughs> yeah. In fact, all of you guys, I've, I went mainstream just to balance up. I've seen what you guys have got. Like, oh my god, I don't think I don't think any of our listeners would have heard some of the stuff. Now, yeah, well, no, well, quite possibly not. Um, uh, Granddaddy's Software Slump album is, oh, it's probably arguably their best. Um, but, you know, that's arguable. And it Who are was, they? Who the hell are they? Okay, right. Okay, so Granddaddy are a band from Modesto. Okay. Um, Modesto is in California, um, in sort of the Fruit Bowl area. Um, and a very another famous person came out of Modesto, a filmmaker by the name of George Lucas, um, as well. So he's probably their most famous export besides Who? George Never Lucas. No, exactly. He also made um, films about um, sort of stars and stuff. And there's a bunch of sort of sci-fi type um space rock songs on this granddaddy album as well which is quite cool i mean the album's got a, a, a definite sense of humor running through it all the way through in fact the title software slump is a as a reference to a term that's given to an artist's second album which is failing to live up to the <laughs> live up to the first um so you know there's a lot of fun in it um jason lytle basically created the entire album he's the front man um for the band and it's interesting I, I went and did a little bit digging into how it was made um and from a songwriter perspective and you know arranging music i mean i mentioned martin and um oh, david and ian will find the podcast about the making of it quite fascinating because he said Right when he started making it, digital was in. Everything was digital, make make it digitally. So he managed to get a whole bunch of analog gear um, and sort of make this hybrid sort of recording sort of studio um, and create it out on a farm in Modesto. Um, and he describes it as probably one of the most crazy times in his life because he went a bit mad trying to make this thing he was so intensely making it what's it i was in my boxer shorts bent over keyboards with drips were um dripping off my forehead frustrated hungover and trying to call, call my coke dealer um and yeah 
that's 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 my every Saturday night, man. I know, I know, and it's a hot hot part of the country, and um, mm. so well, he was inspired by Radiohead's OK Computer album, um, and he wanted to make something sort of to to go up against that, or to just really push himself in terms of both his songwriting and arranging and making music. So he ended up learning how to be an engineer, learning how to do production um, and all of that stuff um, with his and, the, and got the band in when he needed them. Um, but most of the, a lot of the time it would be him and his friends going skateboarding and then having some beers and then making some music as well, which was quite fun. Um, there's some really funny songs on there. There's one about Jed the Humanoid. Um, and I always thought it was quite a sci-fi album, but actually when I heard the making of it, it's now sort of ruined some mm. of what what my imagination was with some of the songs. And he actually he used it as a vehicle about himself. Um, he said he was drinking too much at the time, so he always tries to put a humour into what he's making. Otherwise, it would be a bit serious and you don't want to be smacked around the face with that sort of thing um there's a song called minor at the dial of you so like the moon movie that david reviewed last was it last week david yeah Mm -hmm. about a guy going to the moon doing some mining trapped away from earth um this is a guy who just goes into a bar on whatever planet he is get looks up the dial of you which is basically um Google Earth and is able to zoom on on where he is or wanted to be, which is his home back in the day. Um, and actually sees that, you know, his girl's hanging out with some other guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, but people who like a bit of prog, um, I, I'm a little proggy. Um, the first song on the album is called He's Simple, He's Dumb, and He's the Pilot. Um, and we'll play a little bit of that now. It's a, it's basically a close on nine minute 
epic um, of about three or four bits of music all sort of jammed together um, to make this quite epic piece of music. Um, and then there's more straightforward sort of, um, I don't know, sort of uh, sort of indie rock pop, um, and like things like the Crystal Lake, which is a quest to get away from the city and find solace in nature. Um, and yeah, we'll play a little bit of that now as well. Yes. I put the I put the full album on in the barbershop today, mm-hmm. and uh, inter- and it's interesting because I think song one's the worst. I oh, reckon if really? you if yeah, I reckon if you've never heard them before and you put that on, you just you think, oh, when's it actually going to take off? And it just doesn't. It's just, but it's that's the style of that song, right? But, yes, yes. You know the actual album is pretty good, man. And and don't be if you don't like slow stuff. Don't be fooled by the first track because no. uh, track five, what's track five? That's a cracking track, tune. Track five. Um, got a great riff on there. Charts and graphs, yeah, it is. Oh, it's like, Fifth yeah, model. digging that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so don't be fooled by track one if you're not into that. Give it a, give no. it a go, eh? Hey? Yeah, secondly, second song's Hewlett's Daughter, and that's a, mm. sort of a palate cleanser, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have the weird things about Jed the Humanoid. I mean, basically, it could be regarded as technology that we all love, and then suddenly we don't look after it and use it anymore. And it, Dave, you look like you'd be right into this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, look, I don't doubt it's good, but um, you totally it's not. It's me. not Kylie, it's man. It's not Kylie. Well, you know, oh, I don't no, want to no. get off track, but and you know what? The one of the biggest albums of the year two thousand was. Don't the Beatles? The Beatles oh. <laughs> Come on, the album. Hey, the album one. The album one came out. He did it to us. The red cover came out for Christmas year two thousand. It was huge. It is still one of the biggest selling compilation albums of all time as it 2015 i thought i'd just put that in there yeah and you know at the time that was quite right but i'd heard that stuff before whereas i hadn't heard granddaddy and it came out and was just a bit of that that sort of lo-fi sound to it he's got Um, a son as well did puff daddy is it puff daddy the 
Really? <laughs> Granddaddy, tough daddy. Oh, guys, Jesus. Jesus, mate. Yeah. yeah it's, um, Fine, I just finish the links. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the imagery of Broken Household Appliance National Forest, um, which is, you know, all these bits of whiteware and air conditioning units and things that have been dumped in the forest and all the animals sort of reclaim all of these spaces Mm -hmm. yeah so there's a whole mixture of different things in it and i think people's imaginations with it were far different to what he was writing about and that's one of the big learnings i've had this week which is so fun acid will do that to you (laughs) it's a fabulous record how, how far did you listen to it, David? Or <laughs> not <laughs> true? Do you want to know the truth? Yeah. Your, your, your two songs, up. your two songs, and I just went, "What the f- is yeah. this?" <laughs> Similar to yours, Ian. You're and, like, uh, "Oh, where's that John Lennon? Where's that John Lennon CD? Yeah, where's oh, that mate. Beatles CD?" <laughs> just got to go and put real love on again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I I love those big sludgy sort of guitars that kick into it eh, throughout the album. eh? It's it's, it's pretty cool. And the fact that he made that all himself. Mm, um, That's a hell of a work. Yeah, he said he meant slightly mental with it. That's a lot Um, of work. By the end of it. I'll flick a link up on our Facebook page, dear listeners, for if you wanted to hear more about him describing it, um, because it's quite funny. Excellent. Thank you for mm-hmm. that, Glenn. Have you heard it before? No. No, I, I, but I'm intrigued now. I mean, keyboard. It. It, it's pretty awesome for keyboards. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. They were quite, you know, quite critically... You know, this album was quite a critical success. Cool. I do remember the cover. Mm, it's That's hilarious. Something. Yeah. There you go. All right. Ian's fallen fallen asleep. So, um, oh, well, let's see if I can wake him up a bit. <laughs> oh shit! Wait, wait, wait morning. Someone, someone and Martin's, Martin's chosen Millennial by Robbie Williams, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Love it. <laughs> Go back to the James Bond thing again. Yeah, no, we're not. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry to disappoint. Right. Um, we're going from from an album that's slightly prog, and going to an album that's as prog as it gets. This is proper proper prog, uh, in in the old sense of prog, not rather than uh, modern kind of prog metal or anything um mm. i've gone for uh, an album by a band called transatlantic um transatlantic are uh basically well they were probably like the first real kind of progressive rock super group uh in that all four members were from other prog rock bands um <laughs> got together for this so um the out uh, emerson lake and palmer i thought they were the original super prog group uh I don't know if they yeah, were a super group though. Were, were they? All, they weren't. Well, but I don't know. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys having a prog off? A no, little bit. A little. <laughs> little. Uh, <laughs> my prog. My prog's bigger than your prog. Well, talking about big progs. Ethan, you can, <laughs> so, 
Oh, yeah, just the kind of... But you need to get the self-raising just, power out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so to put Sorry, this into, con- into context for you, uh, the first track on this album, which is called All of the Above, is uh, 30 minutes, 59 seconds long. Wow. And there right. are three tracks on the album that are over 15 minutes. Wow. Which ones are you going to pick for the playlist? Well, I'm being nice. <laughs> Because I put the two shortest tracks onto the playlist this week. Um, <laughs> so, I cut them in half four times. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the, the four members of the band are Neil Morse, Mike Portnoy, Pedro Avis, and Royn Stolt. And they're all from brilliantly named prog bands. It's a thing with prog that you have to give your, name, your, your band uh, a pretty far out wacky name. So mm. Neil Morse was the vocalist and... Um, and chief songwriter in Spock's Beard. Um, Mike Portney is was the drummer in Dream Theater. Picture Alice was, was is the bass player still in uh, Marillion. And Roin Stolt is the singer and guitarist in The Flower Kings. Um, those four bands um, kind of became pretty... Oh, I mean, Marillion have been around since early 80s, mm-hmm. but the other mm-hmm. three were, kind of became like the new wave of prog. It kind of came around about that time, about the millennium kind of period. Uh, there started to be a bit of a resurgence in prog, and it started to come... Not, it never came into fashion. So I'm not going to say that. It wasn't fashionable the first time around. But it's it's kind of... Um, it definitely kind of started bringing uh, progressive rock back into kind of the forefront a little bit. Um it's it's a very old fashioned prog sounding album. It sounds like it was made in like 1974. It sounds like um, classic Rush, yes, Genesis kind of. Nice. Uh, and nice. it's very much those kind of um, those influences on on the four musicians involved in this album. The musicianship on the album is fantastic. Um, I've got to say, um, really, really high. Um, they're all brilliant that, players. That's one of the hallmarks of what prog is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely yeah. Kind of like jazz and metal, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. I can see why prog metal is a thing because yeah. there's not much difference. It's all people who are like super, super good players. Yeah. Geeks. Uh, they're called geeks. So are they? Nerds. Yeah. They're called mu- they're called musical geeks, like anything else, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm definitely more the I'm punky f- end. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever heard of um have you guys ever listened to Spock's Beard? No. I've heard of the name but not listened to any of the music. Yeah, they're um they're a cool band. I saw them live back in mid nineties, actually supporting Dream Theatre. Um and mm-hmm. um yeah, that was the first time I'd come across them. Um what I will say is their songwriting is is excellent. Um, Neil Morse is a fantastic lyricist as well mm-hmm. as a, a great singer. Um, yeah. Definitely draws his influences from like the the kind of very classic era prog stuff. So as I say, Genesis, uh, yes, that kind of feel to a lot of the work. Um, just um, I think just prior to this album's release, he he was kind of like getting into it, like I guess like his late thirties, and um, had a bit of a kind of a a crisis of faith really and, and found God um, and left Spock's beard and went solo. Um, and his solo races kind of document um, his journey in, in terms of finding religion and, and finding God, but it's never kind of preachy. 
And full credit to him, when it came to like projects where he was working with other musicians, he didn't really bring that element into it. He kept it separate for his own solo stuff. And I give him nice. lots of props for that because it's very easy, I would have thought, to mm. kind of like just make that dominate yeah. everything. Um, but yeah, this album, um, so, some really, really cool tracks in it. Um, there's a really beautiful track called We All Need Some Light, um, which is a, a, a great um, sweeping ballad. And, and that's what we're going to play first. So here's a bit of that.
And um, yeah, so um, the other track that I've chosen is a track called Mystery Train. A uh, bit more of a rocker. Um, some some great drumming in this. If you're if you're a drummer fan, um, I think you'll really dig this one. So this is Mystery Train. moron i guess but um it's uh yeah it was an album that kind of really uh yeah really kind of like got me into the prog scene more and more um and and also kind of led me to discover a lot of those older vintage acts um in, mm. and, and kind of delve back into that catalog which I'm, I'm kind of grateful for um what's what's one what's one prog band that you always sort of go back to um, there's, there's not like one particular band. There's albums by certain bands that I will go back to time and time again. Um, okay. An album, name an right. album. Um, so you're going to hate me for this, but it's, um, the one I'm going to choose is Trick of, Trick of the Child by Genesis. Um, yeah, great album. Which was good album. the first album without Peter Gabriel. Um, but man, they came out with something to prove. Yeah. Like that album, it, it kicks so hard. Um, some it was amazing. Good outstanding drumming on that album from Phil and um, yeah just I don't think they kind of reached that level of, of musicianship again really and then obviously like as they get into the 80s and the pop pop kind of side of it kind of kicked in a bit more for them um, but um, yeah, I think so, mine's King, Crimson, King Crimson for me mm -hmm. which album? The Court of the Kings King, and Crimson is it, yeah. yeah Kings and Crimson Kings and Crimson Clark, can you say? Scott out your mouth. Yeah. One of the later ones I really enjoy, which is called Discipline. I don't know if you know that album. Um, it's got mm. a Tony Levin from uh, from Peter Gabriel, um, who played on Sledgehammer and all of those great tunes, an amazing bass player. Um, 
and there's some phenomenal stuff on that. Listen to the first track. It's called Elephant Talk. Um, okay. It's it's off off the chart weird, um, as a lot of King Crimson stuff is. But um, it, it, when you kind of like get over the initial shock of it, um, the playing is just like, <laughs> what is going on here? This is amazing. Um, and that's what you I got like that one, eh, Dave? You got that. Yeah. You got that album, mate, Dave. That's right next to uh, the Beatles number one. You got the twelve. <laughs> you got the twelve-inch version, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got a twelve-inch CD anchor set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it's music you can, uh, you know, you just kind of listen to, and you, it, what I love about it is you can kind of escape into it for an hour or so. You know, it's like a mini story, and a lot of them mm. are concept albums as well. You know, they do tell a cohesive story rather than being just individual tracks um mm. you know that genesis one uh, i mentioned there's a track on that called ripples um and that's just like my favorite genesis track i heard it for the first time on a late night radio station when i was about 13 or 14 and i remember sitting in bed with with my headphones on um must have been about half 11 or maybe midnight and listening to that and thinking this is just this is just awesome this is what i want to listen to in bed at night <laughs> Um, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, bit of musicianship. Uh, it's a real kind of mellow track, um, but again, just some beautiful, beautiful playing going on in it. Um, I yeah. I had a similar experience one time with a Walkman and some headphones at in in bed at night time, and that was with Madonna's Hanky Panky. Not quite of the same vein, but. Um, <laughs> How old were you? I was about fourteen. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't. It, it wasn't an epiphany. It wasn't an epiphany. But I was actually rehearsing the drums for the road show, and I was tapping it out on my legs. There you go. A bit cheer you were. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you can't get it to rise now. There we go. Oh, <laughs> too much time looking across the road at the girls across the road. Oh God, Madonna. Good old match. Yeah. Oh, oh, those girls. Yeah, funny. I remember them. Oh, yeah. So, tell me all think, about. What do we think of the year two thousand oh. overall for music? Um, yeah, really interesting. Good one. Really, yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah, really challenging in some ways. Um, one of my favorite bands, Radiohead, put out a really divisive album called Kid A. And um, that was that was a real treat because it really sort of broke that expectation around um, this is a band and you've had a massive hit and you should keep on doing that. And they went, no, nah, screw that, we're not going to. And it was awesome. And it was actually a, a pretty decent record as well. It's actually my favourite Radiohead album. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quirky and, um, yeah, it's... Um, really interesting and it still surprises every time you put it on it was also the year of like the marshall mathers ep wasn't it that olp the the m&m album oh yeah so it was the year that, yeah, that yeah, all kicked yeah. off as well right? slim so, shady yeah slim yeah, shady yeah turned up which was really funny because it was um hip-hop told yeah. with a different story and different voice and it was funny as hell because you had um you had the, a lot of those '90s acts like, um, were they? Oh, Britney Spears was in there. She had an album. Then you had um, the likes of Coldplay coming up. So you had mm-hmm. the '90s dying out, and then you had the likes of Coldplay and mm-hmm. Eminem and um, 
oh what's in that it wasn't christina aguilera as the other one um yeah before katie perry but yeah it was a real sort of mixed bag and i was looking through the r&b slash rap albums from that year um interesting that none of us chose but that was sort of the it was peak rap almost wasn't it mm. Yeah. I yeah, I scooted over one. What was uh oh there was a big one that came out. Was it Dr. Dre had one out? Ah uh, yes, yes. Chronic, yes. Was it? Yeah. And I, I was thinking uh, about picking that, but I don't know, man. It's just like those those albums for me, they yeah, they just I don't know. They they didn't they didn't wow me. Outcast had this Danconia album, which was awesome. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age with Rated R. I love that. I think it's one of the best rock albums ever put together. That one, it's bloody fun. It was yeah, also the, awesome. the year of the last U2 album that I actually enjoyed any of. <laughs> so, which was all that you can't leave behind. Um, oh, right. Well, I didn't like that one. Yeah, I thought there was a couple of good tracks on there. Um, Hate Beautiful Day. God, it's awful. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's uh, retired. Should we retire it? Maybe. Oh well, yeah, probably. Probably deserves to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who else had stuff out there? Some look. Oh, uh, PJ Harvey's album "Stories from the City," yeah. "Stories from the Sea" is awesome. So so good. Brian Adams. Oh, it was it was a pretty good album. Not Brian Adams. Ryan Adams. Brian Adams. Oh, uh, is that Heartbreaker? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is yeah. too. That's stellar. Oh my god, that album's mm. touch. Um, and Figure Eight by Elliot Smith was really good as well. Mm. Um, I remember someone telling me about Ryan Adams, and I was like, "You mean Brian Adams?" They're like, "No, Ryan oh, Adams." I'm yeah. like, "No, you mean Brian Adams?" No, Ryan Adams. Like, everything you is... do, I do for you. No, no, Ryan yeah. Adams. Yeah, Heartbreaker is a modern classic. I really do think so. And the Avalanches since I left you, but the Avalanches That's as right. well. Yeah, yeah, good album. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're just about excellent. there, guys. Time wise, but um, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're having fun when you're. Oh man! Fun, but thanks for Damn, listening, everyone. Um, keep posting you. your comments. Yeah, please, please keep posting your comments on the Facebook page. Uh, we're really enjoying reading them. Welcome back to solid ground, my friend I heard all your controls were jammed well, It's just nice to have you back